Welcome to Wellness for Entrepreneurs, where we have meaningful conversations with founders. This podcast is about exploring, educating, and empowering entrepreneurs on maintaining wellness in their entrepreneurial journey. My name is Matebe Jobo, and I am an entrepreneurship investor, scholar, and evangelist. I am your host. We are in the fourth industrial revolution and many entrepreneurs who are not necessarily technology entrepreneurs are having to think about using technology in their businesses. But what are the different things that entrepreneurs should be thinking about to help them gain competitive advantage in their businesses? This is Wellness for Entrepreneurs, episode 12. In this episode, we talk to Linduela Skenjana, who is a digital adoption strategist on how entrepreneurs who are not necessarily technology entrepreneurs should be thinking about using technology to transform their businesses. Linda Eloa has a master's in ICT for development from the University of Manchester. She has worked with many companies and helping them with digitalization. She was named in the Mail and Guardian top 200 in her work in this regard. She has a bachelor's degree in industrial and organizational psychology. She is definitely the right guest to help us think through all the aspects about technology, both technically and emotionally. Linda Eloa, welcome to the Wellness for Entrepreneurs podcast. It is an absolute honor to have you on the episode. Thank you so much, Mateo, for inviting me onto your uh, platform. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and I hope I shed some light uh, to your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get right into it. Let us start with unpacking fundamental concepts in digitalization. This episode is really aimed at, you know, simplifying digital technologies, the opportunities they present, and the changes that they bring. This is so entrepreneurs, like I mentioned, who are not necessarily in the technology space, can have a better appreciation of what we mean when we talk about the fourth industrial revolution or digital technologies. Please, can you unpack some of these fundamental concepts for us? Sure, Matabe. I mean, I personally try to stay away from buzzwords, right? Uh, because we see that, you know, as uh, different industries evolve, there's always the latest buzzword. So as you touched on, we live in a time, you know, the knowledge economy. So where, you know, uh, the World Wide Web is, is, is quite ubiquitous as a resource. Um, and some of those buzzwords uh, I think you may be referring to are things such as artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, um, API ecosystems, which is a big one at the moment, how different systems talk to each other virtual reality, augmented reality. I mean, the list is endless, right? And, and the point is not just being well-versed and you know, knowing this list of all these things, but I think as an entrepreneur, it's understanding what you need, why you need them, and how you, know, uh, you, you get to use them um, and apply them in, in your organization. That's awesome. I like the fact that, you know, there is a list um, of these digital technologies and it's not just knowing about, you know, which one is which uh, for the sake of knowing uh, about it, but really thinking about it as a basket that you can use in your business to enable your own competitive advantage. So let us think about how we can help entrepreneurs from developing countries who may be behind the digital uh, technology curve. 
Technology advancements have been led mainly by countries such as the United States and China. And yet, to maintain relevance, entrepreneurs from developing countries are having to either adopt these technologies or innovate using these technologies such that they develop their own unique value propositions. How should entrepreneurs, mainly in developing countries, be thinking about emerging technologies such that they achieve a transformative experience versus incremental outcomes? That's a fantastic uh, question, Mateba, and how it also break it down. As you're essentially saying, as an entrepreneur in a developing country, I want to thrive in the digital age. Um, using technology, how do I do this? And I like the fact that you mentioned China, right? Um, as well as India and Kenya. These contexts have thriving entrepreneurs and they are in developing contexts. So tick, we have examples there already. But I think uh, there are three key things for me that are important. The first is, as an entrepreneur, you need to decide whether you are digitizing, you know, certain operations in your in your business, right? That will um, effectively impact your business in a manner that will yield a positive income, right? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll look into an example of that. The second is, do you want to digitize your customer journey, right? So how your customers learn about you, how they make contact with you, how they reach you, okay, is another thing you can think about. But I think the third and most important is, is for entrepreneurs to remember why they're in business, right? But you need to, those are the, the two key things is, are you, are you, using technology to enable what you're doing or are you deciding to become a technological business, right? And an example I have is, for example, in, in the retail industry, if you own a, a fast food retail company and your, your staff normally takes orders using a, a, a notepad and a pen and they walk to the kitchen and give the order to whoever's on the other side who may hear or not hear the order, may mess it up, there's a lot of room for human error. Right. Whereas if that waiter used a tablet um, and that, you know, that order went directly into the kitchen and automatic, you know, there was an automated way of checking it off when it was done. And then it lets the waiter know that the order is ready. There's a lot of time saved um, in, in that process. So, I mean, that's just an example of how you are optimizing, you know, um, your business efficiencies and you're saving time. So I think it's just key as the entrepreneur to think about what you're trying to, to achieve. Yeah, I like what you're saying in terms of um, understanding, am I going to use technology to improve my operations? Or am I going to transform my business to be completely a technology-based uh, company? I think that's a very important uh, consideration uh, for entrepreneurs, as you pointed out, because it is not an easy journey for entrepreneurs especially who are not necessarily technology entrepreneurs, to think about technology as a fundamental component of their businesses, right? So now for a moment, I want to tap into your industrial and organizational psychology background um, for a little moment. So digital technologies can tend to be in intimidating for entrepreneurs, um, especially those who grew up in a particular industry like farming, manufacturing, and others. What are the things that entrepreneurs can do to reframe digital technologies as presenting new opportunities in their minds? So for entrepreneurs with employees who may see digital technologies as a threat to their own employment, how do they take, how do entrepreneurs take their employees on a journey with them as well? Mm -hmm. 
Look, and I think the thing around uh, fear, right, uh, comes with, with any set of new knowledge, right? Uh, I mean, looking, you know, back at, you know, our initial varsity days or, you know, later to even having master's qualifications, any new set of information is overwhelming, but it, it's also dependent on how open you are to it, right? But also understanding and weighing the pros and the cons. So, I mean, even in, in, in my lived career reality now, it's important to phase digital and technological solutions, um, right? It's, it's important to have a change management strategy and take both your staff and your customers on, on the journey with you. I was in, in India in Bangalore many, many years ago um, when I was studying, and it was interesting because the farmers' literacy rates there are, are similar to that of the African context, right? But instead of having tools and systems that would intimidate them with lots of text and, and, and hectic jargon, what uh, I think it was either Microsoft or SAP, what they did is they developed a system or a tool where farmers in different parts of the village could send each other photos, right? So if there was a pest, um, that was currently killing the crop, or if another part of that region had a drought, they would just send photos with one word um, in the, lang the local language that was spoken. So it's, 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 it's those things as well as, you know, the entrepreneur that is the farmer that has workers and stuff. It's, it's understanding, you know, the, you know the, your audience, your staff, um, you know, and what you want them to achieve. I think to what we touched on when we opened earlier as well is what's the end goal, right? And, and then you decide on the piece of technology that's going to enable you to do that. But this thing around change management is actually a massive one. Um, I mean, you have to school yourself as the entrepreneur or slash farmer in, in this example. And, and then you pass on the teachings and the learnings, right? Um, I mean, if, you know, you and I, uh, Mateva, I have nephews, you, you have a young, a young child as well. Using apps and stuff is going to be more native to them, right? Whereas with us, there's still a huge educational um, uh, piece uh, that goes with this journey. But it is a journey. It's not, it's not overnight, um, you know, so it's really important. Change management but, um, and taking people on the journey with you is, is a key part. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like what you're saying because even for me, as I, as I started uh, this podcast as well, I had to interact with a lot of different platforms. And even though I work in, currently work in the technology space, it wasn't necessarily easy to navigate those, those platforms as well. So I also had to almost uh, frame it in my mind to say, this is a piece of technology that can enable me to do X and Y. Uh, versus just looking at the technology and feeling intimidated um, from the beginning, you know. So definitely achieving um, the, you know, outcomes or meaningful outcomes in these entrepreneurs' businesses takes um, a lot of grit and resilience, especially then also having to deal with the aspect of change management and acquiring knowledge in terms of the technology piece itself. So how can entrepreneurs obtain feedback quickly, um, learn from failure, and eventually succeed um, you know, using digital technologies? So there's a quote I like, and I, I don't know who it's by. It says, fail fast and fail forward, right? Because um, we know that from great failure come great lessons, which then make great entrepreneurs, right? I mean, if you read any of the Richard Branson stories and, and or even Steve Jobs, you learn a lot. 
And one of the key benefits of digital innovation is the ability to execute, monitor, and evaluate things in real time, right? That's, that's the beauty of what uh, technology affords you, right? Uh, for example, I mean, with, with the Uber uh, platform example, once you've, re you've received your goods or your Uber has arrived, one of the key things they ask you is, is about your experience, right? Were you satisfied? Is it good? Is it not good? Et cetera. Because that information is taken, which is then termed data, right? Or data analytics, which is literally, I've asked you something, you've given me feedback, how am I going to use, you know, that customer verbatim to, to improve my service? Um, you know, and I've just used a technological piece of, you know, uh, software to enable me to, to facilitate that, right? So, so that's, that's what's really important. And an example I make is that as an organization or, you know, whether it's you're small, you're medium or you're big, it's really important to continually be, you know, gathering this feedback from your customers. And, and there's multiple ways to do it, right? I mean, you get uh, free Google, Google Forms, um, you know, you get SurveyMonkey that you can use. Um, one of the latest artificial intelligence slash chatbot ways of doing it is WhatsApp for business, where, I mean, you can tailor it to, to, to um, you know, do many things and getting feedback is, is, is one of those things you can use it for. So there's multiple ways. Um, but if, if, if the space you're in, you know, doesn't allow for you to use all of those technologies, you can just do a phone call as well. But I mean, I think that's one of the great things about, uh, you know, technological in innovation is the key thing around feedback, because that's how you improve, um, you know, on your service and, and what you're offering. Yeah. So I'm very passionate about uh, using data for, for feedback. In fact, one of the episodes we did um, on the podcast does exactly that. It looks at, you know, using data for feedback. Um, but I think the, the point you're making around you know, learning from that data and then eventually um, improving or tailoring experiences is, is actually very, very important because then that's how you learn as an entrepreneur. And the great thing is it doesn't necessarily require uh, sophisticated technologies uh, per se, um, but that you could use it with tools like Google Forms and SurveyMonkey. So that makes a, a lot of sense, you know. Let's talk a little bit about digital transformation, innovation, and economic development. Please explain the relationship you see here and why this has inspired you so much. Um, you know, developing nations are not short of problems. Um, what are the other elements that need to be in place to help entrepreneurs use technology to solve some of these uh, problems? Those are such fancy and big words, Mateva, digital transformation, innovation, and economic development. Before yes. I get in... <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> Such fancy words. But before I get into, into that response, I actually read an, an article in The Guardian the other day, and it, it referred to how if Silicon Valley was a country, it would actually be amongst the top, the richest countries in the world. Okay, so already that tells you what what technology can do for a country's GDP. And the second uh, uh, fascinating thing for me is four of the top five most richest people in the world are technological entrepreneurs, right? So Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and Elon Musk. So that also tells you something about how whether, you know, again, you're a technology business or you're a business that uses technology for, you know, to, to um, uh, optimize, uh, you know, the efficiencies there's you definitely playing at an advantage there 
So I think there is merit to the relationship between innovation um, that seeks to digitally transform industries, um, has an impact on, the, on economic development, and, and how does it? Uh, through job creation, through skills development, and, and what you then export to the world, right? And, and I feel the Americas of the world have had the blueprint uh, for a while, right? So even how, when we think about Ford, right? And Henry Ford and how in organizational development, he was the first, you know, to, to use machines for things that people were using, okay? So it's, it's just interesting that it's been happening. America's had the blueprint for a while of how digital transformation, innovation um, impacts uh, economic development. It's there, we know it. Uh, but I think that's definitely, I mean, those examples speak to how, how, how it helps. So I hear the fact that Silicon Valley has, has gotten it right, mm -hmm. right? And that they've been able to, to export that uh, to the world. Mm -hmm. But I want us to talk about how we can help entrepreneurs who are feeling either left behind, right, by the technology curve and, and digital transformation, mm -hmm. or they're still very much locally based. They don't necessarily have um, global impact. How should these entrepreneurs be thinking about using technology, not just for their domestic market, but also for the global market? You know, what are what are some of the barriers in thinking that limit the ability of some of the of some of these entrepreneurs to expand their businesses globally, even with the use of technology? Mm -hmm. So, and sorry, something I didn't touch on in the previous question that you had asked is that I think with, again, we're living in a globalized uh, global economy, right? So I think when you think, especially now with the advent of COVID as well, you need to just think about uh, your, your customer, right? Mataba, I really think geography has nothing to do with it uh, these days. But when we sp speak about, uh, you know, the developing context and some of the limitations, I think the fundamentals are not in, in, in place. I think they're there in drips and drabs, but it's not homogenous yet. So I think, I mean, when I think of South Africa more specifically, literacy um, is all good and great, right? But if, you know, but if you, do, if you put a piece of technology and, and connection and someone isn't able to consume and decipher and understand, that's a, a massive problem right in itself and that intimidation you and I spoke about uh, earlier so I think literacy is definitely one of, of the key problems then followed by access and affordability right so now I know about um, uh, you know wi-fi technology and I can set push notifications to customers that may be interested in my product whatever but if you don't have access to those tools and devices again you know what good is it you knowing about it and affordability Introducing technological innovation or digital into your into your business, I mean, such as, as your brand as well, doesn't it comes at a cost, it comes at a price, um, and you need to factor that in, right? Again, I mean, you've got uh, re input resources, uh, depending on your business that you need to factor in, you may have staff that you need to consider, there might be a logistics uh, you know, pillar to your business or whatever it is. So affordability as well becomes another another key thing. And I think um, this is a, a an oldie but a goodie ppp partnerships right um how are digital technological private sector organizations working with academia to take complex business or technological concepts to decipher them for different layers and types 
of, uh, uh, you know, businesses, etc. And you get all of these SMME hubs and, and funding agencies. Is there an ecosystem for how all of this is operating? Or is it still, you know, I'm a development fund agency and I do SMME uh, you know, I write papers on it and I'm, you know, and I provide the technology. How is, how is that ecosystem coming together to, to address some of, some of those uh, inhibitions? The fact that, you know, ecosystems uh, need to enable innovation in general, so innovative thinking, simply because of the, the synergies that exist amongst different type of players. So that's very important. So you know, we've been talking about this, particularly, you know, in South Africa, we've been talking about bringing the innovation ecosystem together, the entrepreneurship ecosystem together. Some countries have done it really well. Others uh, have not. I see that, for example, Switzerland is, is rated uh, the most innovative country in the world uh, right now. And so what are the things that we should be doing, actually, that governments should be doing uh, to enable innovation, but also enabling entrepreneurs from developing countries to get ahead of a digital transformation, you know, because I think being an adopter of technology is one thing, but also learning to get ahead of the technology innovation curve is very important, you know, for all the reasons you've mentioned around economic uh, development and so forth. I mean, we've mentioned this before, we've had these conversations around uh, ecosystem development. Where could we be missing this in South Africa or in other developing countries? I'm going to tap into my ICT and development knowledge because um, context is important, right? And, and I you recall my thesis and because there's actually three layers, contextual layers, right? So technology can impact and influence you at a meso, micro or macro level at, as an individual. So what technologies are you consuming on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, how are you impacting the technology world? How is it impacting you vice versa? That's the micro. And then the meso level is institutional corporations and it's the national policies, right? Because, I mean, if you look at the, the China example as well, where they don't allow certain things or whatever. So already the, the you know, the ICT policies, et cetera, are, are limiting or creating the, the space you can play in as an, as an individual or an institution. Then the macro level is the, is the world and the globe, right? And, and I think we're privileged as well in, in some parts of the continent to be exposed to more, we're exposed to Chinese technological brands, American ones, and you've refer, made reference to, to the Swiss and et cetera, et cetera. So, so we need to take cognizance of the contextual layers but I think when it comes to governments and, and, and what could be done, access to knowledge uh, is, is, is really key, right? Again, during my India visit, because we visited the ICT ministry and the education ministry and, and other private sector companies, and the minister or the, the colleague from, from the ministry had shared that they've introduced technology and business in primary school. Why aren't we doing, I mean, I've known this for ten, over 10 years now. Why haven't we done that, right? Why is it that only children whose parents are in business get exposed to business and business practice or even technology, right? Why aren't, why aren't we ingraining it? Um, I mean, we're on the continent, we're gonna have the largest uh, you know, youth component in, in the world that's gonna be consuming the stuff, but why aren't we ingraining that already, already now with everything we know, right, firstly? The second thing is, I think, is around uh, lack of exposure to how others 
um, in your respective fields are, are disrupting industries using technology, right? I mean, one of the craziest things being Airbnb, because before the guy did it, everyone was like, why would someone want to give their house with all their furniture and bedding for someone to come stay at it? But a, a confident child who knows that their economy, their families, the community will support their idea, right? It's not crazy. You know, it, it's an enabling environment that, and now it's a world, it's a global uh, phenomenon. Of course, it's taken a hit because of, of COVID. But this thing around lack of exposure to how others are disrupting their spaces um, is problematic as well. Then the third, again, um, is, is around access to technology, right? You need access to the devices, to systems, to connectivity. Um, and then another thing that we, we hardly ever touch on is having a consistent coach, right? Um, I mean, in your example, Matilda, you were able to read up on, on different podcast systems and decide which one may be good for you and, 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 right? But someone else may need someone to guide them and say, mm, okay, maybe don't do that. Try that one. Maybe try this one. Or this one is more expensive, but these are the long-term benefits, da, 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 et cetera, you know? So having a consistent coach um uh you know to help you so when it, and and also ensuring that your customer also knows that you're available digitally online because at the end of the day you aren't as an entrepreneur taking on a, you know a technological advancement or you know taking advantage of this four hour time because you feel like it it's all about again how you service your customer or how your customer you know reaches you so i think those are uh, are, are some of the the, the things so you mentioned the concept of, you know, the technologies we expose ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, people logging onto Facebook uh, may not necessarily realize that on Facebook, you could either update your status, which is probably the normal thing to do, but you could also use Facebook to, to make money, you know, to generate um, income. In fact, you know, and, and a reach a wider audience. And this is not an ad for Facebook, but typically, you know, using that platform, you have access to a diverse number of people across the world. Um, it, it serves the purpose of, you know, reaching more customers, being available to your customers. Um, I think that's a very important uh, shift uh, in mindset, you know. Um, and I think you mentioned something around just the cultural effects of a child particularly in, in South Africa, growing up with a particular set of parents, but only having, but having access to technology versus other children. And I think obviously in our case, you know, there's a lot to think about. They're they the social economic elements to it. But I think um, over and above the social economic elements to it, there's a concept of culture. You know, when, I, don't, I think we're not seeing, you know, access to devices or tablets or et cetera as a means to gain education, um, mm. but we're seeing it as a means to gain quick money in a sense that, you know, if I sell it, I'll get X and Y. And hence, that's why it gets mainly stolen. So I think, mm. you know, even thinking about the culture shift that needs to happen in our country to see things mm. like devices as enabling uh, businesses to thrive, our kids uh, to, to do well in technology is very, very important. So. I just wanted to, to highlight the, that point um, there. I think you mentioned around uh, making sure that you are not just innovating for yourself per se. You're not doing it necessarily because you feel like doing it, but you're doing it for your customers. You're doing it because you had a particular vision 
um, you know, when you started, and so you want to you want to achieve that that vision. What are the practical tools that you can suggest for entrepreneurs to think deeper? You know, um, I think um, it's obviously starting to experiment with a couple of technologies makes sense. You know, um, being uh, you know being uh, having online presence and so forth. But what are those practical tools that can help entrepreneurs think a, a lot more deeper? Because um, I think the customer component is great, the operations enabling is great. But at which point does do you create the perfect recipe? for disruption and competitive advantage. So what are those uh, practical tools? I know, you know some scholars point to you know, design thinking, et cetera, as a practice or as a framework. You know, so just given that somebody is coming from, from farming or manufacturing and they've started playing around with you know, a couple of technologies, what are those practical tools that you can suggest for them to think about uh, using technology in a more competitive way, such that they're able to sustain their competitive advantage? Mm. Mm. And, and I mean, Mateve, look, if I had all the answers, I'd also be a Jeff Bezos where I'm sitting, <laughs> right? So, so this, this isn't exhaustive, right? Um, the first thing which I also apply in my personal capacity is research, 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 right? And, and research requires your time. It requires a device. It requires a connection, right? I think that's the most uh, rudimentary thing you need to do, right? And I think the second, which I touched on earlier, right, um, is are you, are, you, are you researching, you know, about a piece of, of digital technology to enable your business or do you want to be a, a, a digitally, you know, a platform-based business? What is, what is your end game, right? And, and also, you know, researching around the terminology you and I spoke about. There's also things such as geo-marketing and geo-targeting, which is linked to, you know, things like search engine optimization, which could purely mean, again, if you have a, a, a fed cook uh, business in, in in the corner of a of a street right in santon or, or wherever and and people re-google craving fed cooks right how do you make sure that you're 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 the first person whether you have a container or a building how do you ensure that your name is at the top uh, of, of that google search response and that's essentially what is meant by uh, search engine optimization right and what I like, and again, this is not a Google ad, is that Google has a, a Google uh, for Business 101. I think one of the talks I've gone to, they spoke about it, where there's, there are tools that can help business, small businesses, putting your address of where your business is, so that if someone does search and they go on maps, they can, you're a legit business that exists, et cetera. So there are tools that are free um, and readily av available um, you know, to, to, to validate your existence as an organization, right? Um, and I think another thing to note is decide which parts of your business would be better digitized, right? Um, you know, so for example, instead of hiring someone that's going to do your social media for you, there are tools such as HubSpot and Hootsuite, and I forget the others that are free, where you can be like, okay, I actually want to do a, a social media post on Facebook, on LinkedIn, um, and on Instagram on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, right? So you can come up with your post and, and put it in one of these tools, and it actually does it for you. And what's great about these tools is then it also gives you a report, right? It can give you a report to say five people liked this one, three people reshared this post, et cetera. And then those are the people um, speaking about data 
you target, right? Then I could be like, oh, Matebe and Lindela liked my post. I can actually send them direct emails, you know? Um, and I think earlier we touched on things like Google Forms, Microsoft Forms, SurveyMonkey, if it's around getting feedback and surveys, etc. A non-complicated example of artificial intelligence and chatbots is WhatsApp and WhatsApp for business. I want to pick on something you said um, just now, and I think you mentioned it twice already. So in terms of do I, do I just want to use technology to enable my business or do I want to be a technology company or or a technology platform company. In your view, do you think all businesses, given the fourth industrial revolution, are going to end up as platform companies or technology companies? <laughs> That's a very interesting question. And in trying to answer it, I'm gonna say this, which is what my boss's boss's boss likes to say, is that the needs of the customers haven't changed, right? So if I still feel like takeout or, or, or takeaways, right? Um, or I want to watch a movie or whatever, that my need hasn't changed, right? But how the takeaway gets to me has changed. And the more positive that experience, right? The more accurate my Uber delivery is, or if they give me discounts and, and, and the more I'm going to keep using that digital platform, right? My need for watching movies or watching new content hasn't changed, but whether it's on Netflix or Showmax or Hula or whatever is what's changing, right? So, so I think more than it being, I think it's just about the, the disruption of the industries as opposed to we're leaving that we're moving away because at times i don't feel like having takeouts at home and i want to be out at a restaurant and a different so there's there's a need for that and and we're different the same person can feel for different things right um so how much more in a world where there'll always be different people um friends of mine who traveled to japan were telling me how fascinating it was that when you go to the to the loo in japan everything's automatic right like the thing flat or whatever which which is it's a great experience but but they were also sort of attached to to when they're home actually interacting with the so i think they'll they'll always it'll they'll always be hybrid um uh you know existences uh, but I mean, yeah, but according to movies and stuff in the future, everything's going to be touchscreen and everything. But I think with where we are, these will coexist for, for a very long time. No, but I, I like exactly what you're saying in terms of the customer's needs are still the same. So it just talks about the humanity aspect of technology but what matters to me is even though i may have the same needs is about the experience this is very important for for entrepreneurs to digest because then this starts to push you in the direction of competitive advantage hopefully uh, even by 2050 we still want to eat you know so eating will still be there but i think it's about how that experience uh, comes together am i now going to be able to for the people that care about climate change am i now going to be able to trace the very potato that is sitting in my plate you know that is now my chip back for, uh, back to you know the farmer that made it and you know could i actually say to can i give that farmer feedback uh, given that this has traveled a long way to get to me. So I think that's the really beautiful part about um, technology. The human needs are still gonna be the same. Uh, the connection is still going to be the same. Um, it's interesting actually, 
uh, even during COVID, during um, many lockdowns, that people still had the need to connect. You know, they, but instead now that we're having Zoom parties um, and Zoom weddings and, and that sort of thing. So it still speaks to the need for human beings to still be human, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think as we think about technology, that's actually a very useful lens of um, looking at it because we are still human at the end of the day. Um, so that's really great. And I, and I like that. In closing... Um, I am still interested in how, you know, uh, developing countries like ourselves can think about um, augmenting our own path to development, whatever development is, um, but augmenting our own path to development and empowering entrepreneurs to really unleash their creativity um, and making sure that they have a chance to lead the next revolution. What are your parting shots? If a government person had to pick up this um, episode, what would they hear from Lindela? Look, I'm really passionate about the idea of information communication technology being a key part in in augmenting the, the African story and the African reality, right? And again, so some repetitions here, technology and business courses need to be available from primary school levels across all schools, right? Um, uh, You know, education is not a privilege, it's a right. Um, And and, I mean, there should be cross-functional, you know, education, right? So if a, a suburban teacher is teaching the entrepreneurship course, why is that not readily available to a village school or a township school, right? So, but technology and business courses need to be a, a non-negotiable available from primary school um, levels. Second, free crowd-sourced um, entrepreneurial con- uh, content. Again, so it doesn't have to be fancy theory that's master's theory, right? How are you using pictures? How are you using text? How are you using videos, right, um, across different industries for for entrepreneurs that are on different, uh, you know, levels, etc., to spread information as widely uh, uh, widely as possible, in, in in all different languages as well. And and I mean, I'm not close to the, to this, but the third would be the Department of Small Business should really prioritize the ubiquity of such knowledge, right? Um, and again, it's, it's old, but it's clearly not, uh, you know, reached its peak. Private-public partnerships. How are private sector technology companies, you know, partnering with academia and, and then partnering with these SMME hubs and, and development funding agencies? How is this, how are we more intentional, you know, um, as a nation around, around all of this? Um, yeah, instead of, I don't know, we shouldn't be obsessing around policy and policy work and, and Where's the evidence, the outputs, the execution? Where are we learning and you know iterating, failing fast and failing forward? So a lot more evidence around that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Lindala, thank you for being a guest on this episode. I've learned a lot from you. So to our listeners, please reflect on you know, what we've spoken about. What are some of your underlying conceptions about technology? And how are you using it to develop new value propositions in your business? Please leave your comments in the box below. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Matave. Thank you. You're welcome.
Thank you for listening to the Wellness for Entrepreneurs podcast, a space for meaningful conversations with founders. Please click on the link below to subscribe and follow us on our social media channels. Goodbye.